Good morning, or good afternoon, good evening, muy buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches, you know, I'm, I don't know when you're listening or watching this video, but welcome, welcome to Business 121 Financial Planning and Money Management for Fall 2020 Finance in the Time of COVID-19, and you know what, I can, I can take off this mask, I you don't, you can't see me, and I'm alone. So, but I hope you are staying safe, dear students, because uh, yeah, this is not a drill. This is the real thing. Well, we're going to do our best, in spite of everything that's going on in the crazy, scary, absurd, joyful, sad world, to help you better manage your finances for the rest of your life. <laughs> and my name is Frank Piano. There are other places for you to uh, be introduced to me and you're gonna introduce yourself. I am the instructor. I am the luckiest guy in the world as I will tell you in my introduction to myself. And this class is uh, the full spectrum. We cover the full spectrum of personal financial planning experiences. And now for some of you, much of this is going to happen in the future, but assuming you live long enough, it's going to happen. So are you ready to get started? We are going to do our best to make this the best class you have ever taken. I know, I know, that's, that's a, a little over the top, but it is sincere. And we are going to do our best to make this a class that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now you can look back and say, you know what? That class really did help me. So let's get started. We start with a perspective. It is a gloomy moment in history. Never has the future seemed so dark and incalculable. The United States is beset with racial, industrial, and commercial chaos drifting we know not where of our troubles. No one can see the end. Wow, looks like you just tuned in to skunk news, right? I'm sorry, uh, weasel news? Uh, uh, Fox news, right, yeah. You tuned in and and the demagogues and the Republic rats are fighting one another and the virus is raging and the economy is falling apart and the whole world is, you know what, we've been here before. When do you think this was said? When do you think this was written, dear students? Hmm. Well, a lot of people would say during the Great Recession or World War II. It was actually 1847. <laughs> yeah. Doom and gloom. Sells newspapers, sells television advertising and internet ads. But the truth is... COVID aside, there's never been a better time to live than now. The last 20, 30 years have seen the expansion of the global economy at a rate that has never before seen in, in world history. And assuming we don't die in our own ways, blow ourselves up, create more COVIDs, tsunami, earthquake, meteorite, Disco returns. <laughs> you laugh, but you probably, many of you didn't live through disco. That was a tough time. 
Assuming the world doesn't end, the next 20, 30 years should be even more prosperous for the global economy. Why? Because most all countries now have realized the power of capitalism. You know, it ain't perfect. Certainly it isn't perfect. Nothing is. Nothing we humans ever have created is perfect. But hundreds of millions of people have come out of abject poverty and for the first times have money in their pocket and can afford clean food and water and clean clothing. And, and of course, then they want a television set and, and a cell phone and they want Nike shoes and, and Marlboro cigarettes and Jack Daniels. <laughs> and they want the things that the Western world has taken for granted for 100 years. And that's a good sign, assuming we don't die in our own ways, blow ourselves up, yada, yada, yada. So I am very optimistic. I'm very optimistic we're going to beat this darn virus. I just hope to be around in time because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> so, so we are going to err on the side of optimism um, in this class. And why is that? Well, for various reasons. First of all, uh, the optimists so far have have done much, much better financial financially than the than the pessimists. Yes, yes, you're going to see always talk of a market meltdown coming, and you know what? Someday they're going to be right, and then it'll come back. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter where your money is. Also, optimistic people are far more healthier and happier. Hmm, interesting. So I am going to do my best, we at Southwestern Community College are going to do our best to inject that optimism into your, into your future. Okay? And we'll stick with us because we've got a ways to go. But you're going to see, I'm not just blowing smoke here, folks. The news is good. Slide number three. Personal financial planning in action. We start with an old Russian proverb. It is not money that brings happiness. It's lots of money. <laughs> I love this proverb. But you know what? The psychologists, the sociologists all tell us that's not true. That's really not true. You don't want to have abject poverty. You certainly don't want to be at the low end of the economic scale. But at the same time, once you pass middle class, upper middle class, Adding more money doesn't really bring people more happiness. If you're happy sitting squarely in the middle class and you are some, somehow dumped a ton of money in your pocket, you'll probably be happy. But if you ain't happy, assuming you have food, clothing, and shelter, adding a ton of money will bring you more comfort, but it won't necessarily make you happy. If you don't believe me, stick with us because we got... Something to say about this when we get to consumerism. So let's be happy. huh? Let's uh, learn how to uh, deal with our finances and be optimistic. And, uh, and that's what all this class is all about. So slide number four. This is college, right? So we have to have a definition that's going to be on an exam. And this is the book's definition, which is kind of interesting. Personal financial planning is the process of managing your money to achieve personal economic satisfaction. Hmm. Now, that's a, 
odd choice of words, wouldn't you say? Satisfaction? Sure, you have money, but are you satisfied with the money you have and how you're handling it? Or maybe the authors are just old, like me, old uh, uh, Rolling Stones fans. <laughs> anyway, here's some other definitions that we scrounged about for. The ability to use knowledge and skills to manage one's financial resources effectively for lifetime financial security. And that's often the word you hear people say most uh, most often, I find, when they talk about why well, I ask them, when I ask them, what do you consider financial planning? They talk about security, the ability to not have to worry about money. The process of realizing more enjoyment from your income and improving one's standard of living while making adequate arrangements for a secure and comfortable retirement. So we live today and we plan for that tomorrow. And then the last one is one that I pulled from the life insurance world. And it's a little wordy. The process of identifying assets, determining the classification of those assets in regard to both current and future needs, analyzing debt, expenses, and consumption patterns, reviewing tax status, and addressing a host of other issues and concerns. Eh, I don't like that one too much. It's too wordy. Uh, how do you define financial planning? Obviously, the one in the... And the first one is going to be on the exam because that's the one in the book and we have to have academic rigor. But really, it's up to you to define that. And we're going to do our best to give you the tools to help you be satisfied, secure, and enjoy your personal financial assets and resources. Cool. So slide number Five, what are the benefits of financial planning? Well, there are several, and these are from your book. Eh, pretty self-evident. Uh, effectiveness, increased effectiveness in obtaining, using, and protecting your financial resources. Increased control of your financial affairs, certainly. In our second chapter, we learn how to create the two most important documents that you need, your cash flow statement and your net worth statement. A sense of freedom from financial worries obtained by being able to look optimistically towards the future. There's that word again, optimism. And my personal favorite is improved personal relationships. Because what's the number one reason for divorce in the United Snakes of Armenia? States of America? Right. Right. Money. You would think it would be hanky-panky. But no, money uh, does a job on people's finances, I mean, on the people's marriages, and uh, often is the result in, results in divorce. So here are some benefits of financial planning. Now, we are going to develop a flexible financial plan throughout this semester. Very flexible. A financial plan is a formalized report that summarizes your current financial situation, analyzes your financial needs, recommends future financial activities. That makes sense. Where are we? What do we need to do? How do we get there? Your financial plan can be created by you, done with the assistance from a financial planner for a ton of money, 
or using one of these software packages that they have out there that also want to know all your transactions and create a demographic profile of you so they could sell you advertising and sell that information to other people. <coughs> so, again, this is college, slide number seven. And we have to have rigor, academic rigor. So here we have the financial planning process. A six, six, six step process for financial planning. Number one, determine your current financial situation. Two, develop your goals. In fact, that's the main theme of chapter one is goal setting. Three, identify alternative courses of action. Four, evaluate your alternatives, always keeping in mind opportunity costs and the risks involved in your decisions. And number five, create and implement a financial action plan. Write it down. And then number six, reevaluate and revise your plan. Hey, does anybody do all this stuff? Yeah, there are a few people who who set out on this financial planning process methodically, you know what, though? They're not much fun at parties. <laughs> Everybody else is out there skinny dipping by the pool, uh, socially distant, of course, with their masks on. And these yahoos are up in their room working on their laptop, revising and reevaluating their plan. A lot of them are accounting majors. Okay, okay, who have I? Who have I? Don't worry. By the end of the semester, we'll insult everybody. So who have I insulted the accounting students? My apologies. No, no, folks. No, you're not going to do this, folks. Maybe you will once. Here is a more realistic and typical financial planning process. Hmm? Number one, make money. Sounds good. Number two, spend it. Okay, <laughs> number three, go make some more money. And then number four, spend that. And then spend some more. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you spend money you don't have? Oh, going to debt. Number six, panic. Number seven, take business 121. Financial planning and money management. Yes, dear students, lots of anybody's have done this. We're going to work through the full spectrum, as I've said, of financial planning experiences. And some of these you'll put aside and think about later on when you come back to them. But if you simply do the cash flow statement and the net worth statement from their second chapter, which we're going to bang away hard at you, you will have done 90% of what you need to do. And then the rest is just filling in the details all around that financial movie and of your of yourself the financial life of yourself okay so don't worry about this being a rigid process we're going to uh relax and um but don't worry we're going to give you some serious tools too don't 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 don't, don't you this is serious folks this is college slide number nine simply put it all comes down to the choices we make Opportunity cost is one of those economic terms that people have a trouble with. I like the term trade-off because whenever you make a decision, you are essentially canceling out other alternatives. And those alternatives have a cost, have a trade-off, and that's the term opportunity cost. 
It's what you give up by making a choice. And you cannot always measure it in dollars. Sometimes that's time or health or some other uh, 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 resource or asset. And so when you make decisions, consider the lost opportunities. What else could I be doing? And the when you take an economics class, you'll spend a whole lot of time on this. We'll just throw a few questions at you here and there. And if you get them right, great. And if you don't, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. But the economists love to, to use the idea of a free lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. They'll say, well, wait a minute. Somebody just sat me down and gave me a free lunch. Well, what, what did you have to give up to get that free lunch? Did you have to sit through some presentation? What else could you have been doing? Did you have to drive there? Did you have to buy something else to get the free lunch? What are the opportunity costs of attending college? What could you be doing right now instead of listening some goofball burble on about opportunity costs and trade-offs in your decisions? Right, you could be down at the beach, socially distant with your mask on, of course. You could be uh, hang gliding. I don't know about that one. <laughs> you could be working, making money. So why are you here? Why are you here? Well, education is a, is a my humble opinion, <laughs> I'm not biased, of course, is a wonderful alternative for your time because you're investing in yourself. And we hope that that investment pays off down the line. And in some cases it does, and in some cases, eh, does it really? I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to make that, that argument. But we hope that you'll find this class to be a tremendous alternative uh, investment a decision and that any opportunity cost that you may have lost by taking this class will be more than made up by the advantages. Hmm? I hope so. Slide number 10. This is a little graph that shows that we have to balance your money or your life. In fact, there's actually three books by that name, but the one we are referring to, it was written in the 1980s and then sort of disappeared and now has made a resurgence. And the folks who, uh, who adhere to uh, Mr. Dominguez and Ms. Vicki Robbins' um, uh, proposition have a forum called simplelivingforum.net, which you can check out. Because we balance our time, our effort, our health versus the financial acquisitions that we want or feel that we need. And also, whenever we make financial investment opportunities, we have to balance the uh, risks versus the returns. And their essential theme is that you trade your most precious asset, the time you have on this planet, <laughs> for those things that we believe, well, so we certainly need food, clothing, and shelter, and internet access. But we also had to have those $300 shoes that all of a sudden we could turn around and sell for $500. Well, that's not a bad decision if you were able to pull that one off. Or we had to have a new car, even though the old car was doing just fine. And so they believe that, no, 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 the other way, dear students, the other way reduce your wants and your needs and you will be more able to enjoy the precious time we have on this planet. And we'll come back to this idea um, uh, later on. 
but check it out for those of you who are so inclined. SimpleLivingForum.net. So, slide number 11. Every financial decision involves evaluating some types of risks. Uh, inflation risk means rising prices could, loss, could, could uh, cost lost buying power. This is a problem with uh, the investment called bonds that we'll discuss later on. Interest rate risks. This is a problem with when we borrow money. Um, the, the effect, the, the cost of borrowing, the rate of return. Income risk. This is the, the loss of a job. <laughs> Personal risk. Health, safety, life insurance, um, uh, medical insurance, disability insurance. Liquidity risk. What's that? Is that the risk of not having enough beer for the weekend? No, 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 no. We'll discuss liquidity risk when we get to investments. Some investments are very easy to sell. Others are much more difficult and may be uh, only sold if you were to take a serious uh, reduction in the value of the item. So these are all risks that we'll discuss as we move through this semester. But some of them are, as we said, are pretty, are, as, as we notice, are pretty self-explanatory. Income risk, loss of a job. Inflation risk, interest rate risk, liquidity risk. We'll deal with those in detail when we get to investments. And then I added my own, <laughs> which is, you're not going to see this in a textbook. The culture of consumerism risk, which is die working and in debt up to your eyeballs risk. And you'll hear people say that. They, they say they're going to just keep working until they drop dead, but they don't know that. They don't know that they're going to be able to do that. And so they'll have all these wonderful things surrounding them that don't really bring them joy anymore and they won't be able to keep working even though they're in debt up to their eyeballs so we hope that you don't have this issue in your golden years dear students slide number 12 implementing your financial planning well developing good financial ha financial habits we're going to do that we're going to push you to use a well-conceived spending plan, that's chapter two, the cash flow and net worth statement, to help you stay within your income while allowing you to save and invest for the future. We're gonna discuss insurance, the necessary evil about preventing financial disasters, and then becoming informed about taxes, yuck, and investment alternatives. Taxes, everybody's favorite subject to hate. And then my favorite part of the semester, but not until the about uh, 10th or 11th week or so, is uh, is investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite part. Uh, achieving your financial objectives requires a willingness to learn and the appropriate information sources. And dear students, there are just so many resources now. Never before has this been so much in the public Aye, printed materials, books, magazines, credit unions, banks, brokerage firms want to help you. School courses, hooray, educational seminars, software, internet, and an inexhaustible supply, and sometimes useful, in my humble opinion, sometimes not. And an entire armies of financial specialists who want to take your, I'm sorry, sorry, serve you well. Now, dear students, I'm going to, say this more than once this semester, the industry needs you. Believe it or not, the financial industry needs you. 
They need more women. They need more people of color. They know this to be true. They know this to be true. They, they are working on it. And so here at Southwestern, we have a financial in, uh, services certificate and a, an associate's degree. And with those, you can get your foot in the door, dear students. Um, take Business 121, which you're taking. What? Business 123, Introduction to Investments, maybe Introduction to Business, Business Math, maybe Business Law. You take a few of our classes, and you're ready to get your foot in the door. It's I like it. You know, if you let, look to my uh, watch my introduction, I'm a I'm a stockbroker. I'm an insurance agent. I love it. It's a lot of fun. It can be. You know, nothing's perfect. But um, and the and the fact is, the industry needs you. We know. We know. We know. We know. And I first started <laughs> a long time ago, and my boss was a woman. I'm sure she still is. She might not be alive. She retired a while ago. <laughs> But she started when there were very, very few women in the industry. And she could give you just horror stories about the way the women were treated. And so that's all changed now. That's all changed. They need you, dear students. So think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Slide number 14. And of course, we have influences on personal financial planning, which we hold these to be self-evident, in my humble opinion. Are you married? Hmm. We'll discuss that later on. How big's your household? What's your employment? Marriage, birth, adoption of a child, divorce. One of the worst things that can happen to you financially in bankruptcy. What are the values and principles that you consider correct, desirable, and important? And of course, because it's college, we can't just say, how old are you? We have to say, where are you in the adult life cycle stage? Which is a very interesting phenomenon. Now, these numbers are old, right? The 2020 census is still being conducted. So next year, that's all going to change. But never before have five generations lived, you know, there's always been a few very old people, but there are many, many more old people than before, ever before. And we're all living together now. Five generations, the matures, folks who still remember D-Day. 75th anniversary of the end of... World War II, they still remember this. And they remember vaguely the Great Depression. They've been trying to warn us for decades. These are called the, sometimes called the greatest generation. Uh, they, they, they are formed by loyalty. They were very loyal because their financial institutions, their government institutions got them through the Great Depression, got them through World War II. And along come the baby boomers. I'm a boomer. Yeah, I am. And notice it's a pretty big group. And there was a reason why they called us the baby boomers. Because after World War II, it was your patriotic duty to have as many kids as you could. Because we've got to beat those Ruskies. And four, five, six kids in a family was just very typical. If you only had one or two kids, there was something suspicious about those individuals. Probably communist sympathizers. And we boomers rejected. We rejected the institutions because nothing's perfect. And we saw the civil rights that were denied to many Americans, the women's rights that were denied to half of Americans, the gay rights. My mother had a problem with this. Why can't they just be quiet? I said, Mom, you want to stay, you want to stay in the closet? And she looked at me and she goes, I guess so, because, you know, to her, that was just too much. But eventually she came around. She 
she was not as towards the end of her life not as as, as pejorative towards those it's anywhere from five to ten percent of the population and so we rejected we rejected and we fought back <laughs> rock and roll was our way of fighting back right and so we gave you vietnam and rock and roll and the drug ooh, and watergate and um, the the uh, economic turmoil of the 1970s. What happened during the 1970s? Well, we had disco. That was a tough thing. But but more importantly, it was the baby boom generation coming of age. It's a very difficult time for the for the for the uh, stock market certainly for the uh, economy because you had all this bulge of of new people coming in and wanting to get jobs and shoes and cars and houses. And so uh, we did it. We changed the world, some for the better, some for the worse. And along come the Gen Xers. These are people who grew up in the 1980s. And for them, they revolted against the boomers, right? <laughs> because for them, they were able to say, you don't understand, rock and roll might be cool, but we're going to play it at the uh, Super Bowl. And we're going to play it for for inaugurations for us rock and roll was about sinning you know all day and all the night let's spend the night together but no no the gen xers said no we want mtv <laughs> and the gen xers are the ones that get kicked around the most they were the first latchkey uh generation yeah because the boomers were all going to work on their own and self-actualizing and leaving the kids alone <laughs> nothing's perfect and for them, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the biggest effect on them was AIDS, 1980s. Yeah, before, we boomers, hey, free love, what are you worried about? Hey, get a STD, get a penicillin shots all over again. But no, not AIDS. And so they were also hit very hard by the, uh, by the housing crisis of the 2000s, because that was their prime years for getting into a house. So poor Gen Xers. The millennials, sometimes called Gen Y, the digital generation, they're the most exciting, in my humble opinion. Now, the new, next generation, you know, we're, we're still finding out about them. Gen Z, they often call them. But, but the millennials are the ones that, that intrigue me the most. They, 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 more than anything, this is why I have personally, uh, I, I apologize if I'm burbling on here for too long. This is why I have incredible uh, optimism. Because... They grew up with the tools that we saw on Star Trek, you know, and in Star Wars. They grew up with these things, and and they don't have any preconceived notions about the way things should be. They have instant access to everything, and and they don't look at rock and roll as something, you know, that your grandparents listen to. You know, we wouldn't listen to any music that our parents are are we boomers, our parents or grandparents listen to. Hey, if they like Leonard Skinner, they like Leonard Skinner. If they like the B-52s, they like the B-52s. If they like Frank Sinatra, that's fine with them. They are open to all, which is very cool. And if you notice what's going on now, the tools are just unheard of. We couldn't even think about these things. And and you have, you have people like uh, the, the, the famed uh, entrepreneur Elon Musk, who you know, what, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, said we're going to launch a spacecraft, uh, a rocket, and bring it back. 
And the entire industry laughed at the guy. They thought he's the biggest idiot the world has ever seen. You're never going to land a rocket. You throw him away after you shoot him off. And sure enough, they're landing. <laughs> he's landing rockets. And uh, oh boy, did he upset things. So the, ter the, the word today is disruption, right? So you millennials, you're listening out there. God bless you. Uh, stick with us. We're going to give you tools. Some of you may already say, well, Piano, I've already found them. I found them over here on this website. <laughs> um, that will, you know, should last you for a lifetime. And who knows? I mean, I won't be around to see it, but I'm, I'm really excited. about the, Assuming we don't blow ourselves up, die in our own ways, the tsunami, the next COVID, whatever. Now, the next generation, it's hard to really come up with any kind of a you know, what to, what to say about this next generation, but, you know, they, they might be on steroids, the, the millennials on steroids, because, uh, you know, they've, they've, ne they've, never, they've never been in a situation where they haven't been plugged in. And uh, so, I'm, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm very uh, optimistic. So I'll, I'll, and of course, this is all going to change next year when we get the new census that traditionalists will be far fewer, the boomers will be far fewer, the next generation will probably be a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see. Slide number 15. I loved, I saw this t-shirt on a uh, uh, SDS student and I knew I, <laughs> this is the best, right? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little me too, uh, get be careful. But, you know, guys, right? Right. Guys, you know, we're, what can we say? We're, we're, we're pigs, but we're guys. Good, better, guy and two women, and best. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them, the millennials, would rather deal with a computer, reality with a with a uh, with a, uh, a, a device, than they would deal with other people. And that's well, you know, nothing's perfect. You see three millennials walking down the street. Two of them are talking on their cell phones. One is texting, and and so uh, make that what it, what you will. And if I offend anybody, I my apologies. But it's meant in good humor because uh, my son is a millennial and he gets together with his friends almost every night. They're just not together. <laughs> They're on their computers with their headphones talking and playing League of Legends or whatever it is. And boy, were they ready for the uh, pandemic, right? Were they <laughs> ever ready for not having to worry about being socially distant because they already are socially distant. In fact, my son sent me one of those whatever internet memes or whatever pictures where it says before COVID, you know, internet gamers, before COVID-19, a guy sitting there on the computer with his headset playing. After COVID, the same picture. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Slide 16. Okay, enough of this fall. They're all, how are we doing for time? Not bad. Um, influences on personal financial planning continued. Market forces, ec forces, economic factors, supply and demand, supply and demand. What do you get when you teach a parrot how to say supply and demand? A learned economist. What are the production costs? What is the competition going on? What's going on with the Federal Reserve Bank and the global financial markets? What are the level of exports and imports and other financial conditions such as consumer prices and inflation, consumer spending, interest rates, money supply, unemployment, housing starts, gross domestic product, the trade balance, the trade imbalance, the budget deficit, financial markets? Look, folks, do any of us have much control over these things? The answer is yes, but we have the same amount of control that a drop of water has over the flood. If you ask the drop of water, hey, were you responsible for that flood? 
A drop of water. Say, what are you talking about? I'm a drop of water. I don't... Ah, yes, you are. <laughs> you, dear students, by making effective personal financial decisions will be changing economic conditions for the better. You want to change the world? Change yourself. And the world will follow. So we're going to focus on the things that we can and do have control over. And by doing that, we're going to make all of these better. I know it sounds like an advertisement, but <laughs> it's true. So let's take a look at slide 18. What is in our future? Well, this is the class, folks. Here are the components of financial planning. We have planning, chapters 1 and 2. We're going to learn about goal setting and the future value of money in our next presentation. Um, and in chapter two, we're going to discuss the cash flow statement and the net worth statement, the two most important documents that you must have. Then we look at taxes, everybody's favorite subject, subject to hate, saving, banking, borrowing, credit, spending, consumerism, and housing costs, and then managing risk, which is insurance. <laughs> life insurance, health insurance, car, automobile insurance. And then my favorite part of the semester when we deal with investing stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and real estate. And then the final chapter where we take a look at retirement and estate planning. Cool? This is it, folks. Over the next 16 weeks, these are the topics that we will be uh, delving into. Are you with us? I hope so. Are you excited? I hope so. Again, Welcome to Business 121, Financial Planning and Money Management. We want this to be the best class you've ever taken. We're going to give you tools that should serve you a lifetime. And in our next presentation, dear students, we're going to learn how to create effective goals that some of which could lead to great wealth in our lifetime. Cool? Okay. See you in our next presentation, dear students.